the Underdog Podcast from SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty. Football fans, welcome back to another episode of the Underdog Podcast. You're home for P6 football at SB Nation. This is what we call Joe Talk, and that is me, Joe Serpico. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Serp. And on the other side, it is Joe Broback, who is at Joe Broback. What's going on, man? New intro alert. I like it. Hey, we got to switch it up. I feel like, you know, the the conference has definitely set itself apart that it doesn't deserve to be considered the G5. It's a P6. Ooh, 12 and 1 against other G5 schools. Yeah, actually, 12 and 1. I I've, I've read 23 and 1. Uh, this this year they're no, not 20. This year they're 23 and 1. That's the number the little nugget I have written down, yeah. 20 Are you sure? 23 and 1 against G5? The rest of the G5, the other four, I guess I should say, because you can't include the wins inside against each other. But that's the nugget I found on the uh, Americans' uh, Twitter page a couple days ago. Oh, I want to know. 23-1 and one against the rest of the, the G5 schools and 26-7 and seven against unranked teams this year. Are you sure about that? that I'm literally right. looking. I'm looking at the tweet right now, my friend. Send me the tweet right now. And you can find it in Mike's article from this week that was. That's where I got it from. Mm. So while you do that, I will I will lead us along to where we're going here, because then you can just be like, Joe, you were right, like always. Um, <laughs> Does that need to be said? No, I guess not. But so what the basis of this show is obviously we'll recap what happened in the AAC last week. There's a there's a lot that happens. A lot of good, as we just talked about, and one really, really bad. We'll obviously end the show talking about what's ahead for this conference as we get started early. Get started on Thursday night with Temple taking on ECU. But, you know, we always kind of start the show with what's really been the breaking news. And, I mean, it doesn't really affect the American athletic because there's no teams that are from California. But, you know, the news that California law SB 206, or what they call the Fair Pay to Play Act, which was signed by the governor, Gavin Newsom, uh, just a couple days ago. LeBron was, you know, a big supporter of this. I believe he was there as well. Anyways, the news is, and I think you need to extinguish right out of the front that, or distinguish, excuse me, that it's not exactly the schools paying the players. This is an avenue for the players, though, to make money off of whatever they can whether it be getting autographs having a youtube channel um doing a commercial for some car dealership whatever it may be they have that option available to them right now so i guess my question to you joe is one i know you kind of said before um you truly think that this is going to pick up steam and i do too just because there is already some states with this um something similar some of them literally want the schools to pay but kind of give me what your thoughts are, what you think of what this means for not just the AAC, but just college football moving forward. Okay, real quick. The tweet that we're talking about, they're 23-1 and against non-Power 6 opponents. So Which includes, means the rest of the G5. It also means FCS teams. Ah, they're 12-1. Okay. They're, they're so they are, they're 23-1 and against everybody else that's not Power 6. They're twelve and one against the group of five. Or excuse, uh, excuse me. I mean, still, but still, very impressive. Twenty-three and one is a better number than twelve and one. Just, yeah. Well, yeah. Seriously. So, but still, yeah, impressive. Anyways, so back to back to your question. I think this is 
So this is the be- you and I talked about this before we started here, and we kind of agreed that it's almost like the beginning of the end for the NCAA. Now that they're not going away, but it's just it was always a matter of time before players started to say, "Hey, you know why why should I not get some of this money that the schools are making off of me?" Especially like the biggest one is always the the biggest argument is always the jersey. You know, like a DR King jersey that they don't put King on the back, but they sell a Houston number four jersey is selling, but DR King can't get any money off of it is ridiculous. So mm-hmm. the fact that that's beginning, it's a, obviously it's a little while before we see something go into, you know, into effect, but it's something that I think everybody, well, not everybody, people who have, you know, any common sense <laughs> should, should like and the people that are saying, well, they shouldn't make money off their likeness, so it's like, well, why not? It's, it's a rule that their NCAA is hiding behind this fair play, the amateur idea of an amateur, and no one's come up with a good reason other than, oh, well, they're amateurs. Well, that's, it's, you know, that's, that's old. And so it's, I think we've entered a, a new era that is beginning, and I think that college athletes will now maybe become bigger names in general what that means for like the AAC I'm not sure because you know we could do a whole podcast on this but the amount of money that's going to be thrown around now granted you're not going to get like Adidas isn't going to go to UCF or Houston or Memphis because they're Nike schools and try to get a kid to wear their stuff, but I think you're you open the door for G five schools or AAC schools to say, hey, we can, you know, we can pay you more money to come here than to go to Alabama and be, you know, the the twentieth best guy. So I think it opens a whole realm of opportunities for kids, which is awesome. Yeah, and that's the kind of the part that I wanted to touch on is what you said there. Like, if you're a kid that knows you're going to have to sit a year or two, and I guess that's kind of already the draw that, you know, a lot of G5 schools use. But then, you know, when you throw a dollar sign in front of that, too, that obviously changes things a little bit. So, you know, who's saying that a kid in Texas is obviously being heavily recruited by Texas, Texas A&M, and, you know, all those uh, Power 5 schools. But then Houston's there and says, hey, if you want, you can be a starter as a freshman if you come here, as opposed to waiting, you know, X amount of years at your your other school. And which means, you know, if, if you're good, you're getting a check right away. And it's, and, you know, again, got to stress, these are not checks from the school. You know, these are... You know, if you want to sell your jerseys, like you said, or you want to, you know, do a commercial for some local business or something like that, you have that option. Or even the YouTube channel. I mean, I know you and I remember the case with um, the, the was it a kicker from UCF that got you know Donald De La Haye or whatever. Yeah, and you know they wouldn't let him kick just because he had a YouTube channel, which is ridiculous. Because any other college kid can have a YouTube channel and make money off of it, but he couldn't for some stupid reason. And I think what's you know what's the best part of this is you know it's a law, so there's no way the NCAA can do anything about it. Now they've turned around and threatened to not put a lot of those schools in uh, 
in postseason play and things of that nature. But when it sounds like the whole country is moving that way, what are they going to do? Just going to ban that, you know, five, six states? That's obviously not going to happen. Now, the only thing that's going to be a little bit iffy is, and obviously that's what the NCA is going to want, is, is you're going to have to find a way to make it like a universal. Otherwise, I do think that starts a little bit of chaos. Yeah, obviously this is the beginning of a very, very deep and complex issue, and it's not just as simple as as signing something into law, but it, it's just, it's, this should have happened a long time ago, and it, the people who are arguing against kids making more money, it just doesn't make any sense. Like you look at, like you've mentioned, you look at any other, any other college student, and they can do whatever they want to make, they can make money off of whatever they're doing, but because you're an athlete, you can't? That just doesn't make any sense. And especially when the schools are making millions of dollars, in some cases, off of these kids. Now, I'd understand if they were, you know, a not-for-profit, but they're not. They're making, yeah, like the Alabamas, the LSUs, the Clemsons, like they're making millions of dollars off these kids. And the kids are the ones that are bringing a lot of the money into the programs. Like, no one's Bring most of it in. They right. do all the work. They're the ones that get their bodies all jacked up. Right. A lot of them, they don't even get the education that they want. You know, they have to take whatever fits into their schedule. And right, the school is, gets everything out of it. Right. And and a lot of those, like, <laughs> one of my favorite quotes from Cardale Jones is when he said, when he got to Ohio State, that he didn't, we didn't come here to play no school. It's like, well, as funny and as stupid as that sounds, there it's is true. some it's there's some merit to that. A lot of those kids, especially at the bigger schools, now you're looking at if you're looking at like a Sunbelt team maybe or you know Conference USA, even like UConn in the AAC, you know, they're they're not necessarily there to just to play football, but if you look at like Tuatago Vailoa, he may be doing well in school, but he's there to play football everybody that is there to play football that's just how it is and you can deny that all you want but you're you're just being naive i remember reading and it was an espn piece so maybe a year ago a year and a half something along those lines and i can't remember his name whatsoever but there was a guy who i believe went to iowa and that was the basis of the story was the fact that you know he wanted to go to school for engineering and he basically was told he was not allowed to do that if he wanted to play football so he got some BS degree in something that didn't really translate into what he wanted to do in life. So he had to basically start over. And you hear about that with a lot of these guys when they come out too. It's not, you know, a lot of these guys even even after the NFL, they you know they played football, but they have nothing after after the fact. But that's right. just going that's going down a whole another uh, rabbit hole here. Right. Um, you know, the only thing is, I do think eventually it is going to be going to become a case where the school is going to have to fork over a little bit of money just because of everything you said earlier these schools literally you know they got 100 million dollar plus facilities they're paying the coach 10 million the staff another 10 and you can't give like even a couple dollars to your kids that's just a joke and a lot of these kids are you know let's be honest they come from you know, poverty families and things like that, and they get nothing back. 
no guarantees whatsoever. Right. Let them be able to, you know, for me, the one that makes, you know, that I've never really understood was the, you know, it's their jersey. Let them be, if they want to turn around and sell it for a hundred bucks, who cares? Right. They want to sell it for a couple grand, who cares? Well, think about it this way. is like, say, say that you're, you're, it's in some of you, you know, just a, a normal major and you have an internship on the side, which is essentially like the football players are there to go to school and then their internship is football. So on one hand, if the guy all year this, round, for yeah. Four and years, if, five so years. if the, the normal student gets this internship and they, you know, they make something, they start a project that generates a ton of money and they're allowed to make money off of that and say they they don't they're not paying for school they have a full ride for that too like why does why are people okay with that but then as soon as a football player or any sports player wants to make more money they say well why isn't a full ride enough it's like why why who why are you the one that gets to determine how much money they make like once you get into college it's just you can do whatever you want you we shouldn't be limiting kids because we think they should be amateurs. Like that's just, that's ridiculous. My question to you is in terms of like G five schools competing with the upper school or even just we'll go, go AAC. So an AAC team like UCF, do you see a number of kids deciding like we kind of touched on this a little early in the podcast, like, do they want to go to UCF because they'll get the money? Obviously, we don't know details. Or are they going to still go to the Alabamas and the Clemsons because they think they have a better chance of going pro there? Like, what do you think kids will choose? The money, or will they will they take the money and still have a chance to go pro, or will they go to a bigger school where they get more recognition and they still might get the same amount of money or a little bit less? All right, so I think you and I can both agree that even though these players aren't getting paid, really, a lot of them are already, right? We know this. We know some, most of them are getting some kind of money under the table somehow, a lot of them, especially the bigger name ones. And I don't think, I still don't think you can ever truly stop that because in the end, you know, a lot of this money is going to come down to the boosters and when it's all said and done, the bigger programs, you know I mean, I, I don't even want to say Alabama Clemson. Let's just say, um, oh, God, um, Pitt, for example. All right. They've been around for longer. They've got more donors. They're still going to outbid, say, uh, my temple or even in Florida. If you want to go, you know, any, pick any of the three, Florida, Florida State or Miami. You know, I still think that they're going to have more dollars to offer a kid in Florida as opposed to UCF or USF. And even if that means sitting, you know, sitting the one or two years, like I said earlier, just because of, like I said, you know, maybe they could still offer a little bit more while you're just waiting. And then, you know, something we still haven't even talked about is you still have the option. If you're not getting that check right away, you still have the option to transfer and go to another place and get that check. Like, could you imagine? All right. When, uh, Michelle was at uh, Texas like he was going to get some money there some commercials there it's not like they're going to go off the second he leaves Texas he could have had another one going right now in, you know in 
Dallas for SMU. So a lot of these guys, I mean, play it smart. They make two. Which is yeah, which is great. And I just, I just don't understand why. You're... But it does. But not to cut you off, it just doesn't make sense that like literally, and it is literally common sense that any college kid could make money however the hell they want, except for an athlete. Yeah, or like, only only an athlete. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, I mean, even the pettiest things like you, uh, an athlete can't go so like, an athlete can't go to di- to dinner with another athlete's parents and that parent pay for it. Like literally, that's a violation. Like that's know, just dumb. dumb. Like like literally, if I like, you know what I mean, if my parents wanted to pay for my friend to come to dinner with me, like that shouldn't be a big deal. Simple as that. But that's a that's a violation according to the NCA. It's just little stupid things like that that literally just blow your mind. And it's all because, and in the end, it's all because they're not getting a cut. Right. Yeah. So not only, not only can they not benefit off their likeness, but now the NCAA is making up stupid rules and having kids sit out for dumb, like dumb reasons. And there is like Tate Martell hires a lawyer so he can transfer and play right away in Miami and oh, doesn't win the starting job. But then you have, we've seen a handful of cases of kids that Oh, my grandpa's sick, or I have a family member, or I'm I'm dealing with depression. Like, oh no, you have to sit out. So they're yeah. not even consistent with that. So not only do they not make any more money, but now they're being forced to abide by these rules that are inconsistent. That's not fair. It's not at all because if I want to transfer schools, I can do that literally tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like I could tomorrow. Right, and you wouldn't have to, you wouldn't have to you don't have to sit out and not take classes. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I mean, if you want to, you could take classes at two schools. I guess you, know I mean? I guess yeah. you don't have to sit out classes if you're an athlete, but you like if you wanted an internship or if you wanted to get a job, you could, but you can't play football? Yep. That's that's some of those things that just make no sense. Yeah, so this is, this is great. I'm glad this is happening. And for all of you people that don't think athletes deserve to get compensated, go away. Like, you don't need to be in charge of what someone deserves to make. Yeah, Tim Tebow. Yeah, that was dumb. Like, he's yeah. not going to take money. Hey, Tim, we're going to offer you $2 billion, $2 million a year because you're one of the most popular players in all of college football. Oh, no thanks. I'm not going to say. Yeah, whatever, Tim. Mm-hmm. I play for the team. Yeah, okay. You can still play for the team and make two million dollars a year. Yeah, exactly. Not even like so. If someone comes up, to he would have. He's high one school, of those guys that would have made bank in this scenario. Exactly, and it's it's one of those things. Like if you're a college kid, and like for some of these kids that are coming from poor situations, if somebody, if some booster comes up to you and says, "Hey, I'm gonna pay you a hundred thousand dollars a year to play football," that kid's not gonna be like, "No, I want more." They'll be like, "Hell yeah, give me that." Mm-hmm. So it's no good overall. Good, good overall, I think you and I agree we're on the same page. It's just going to be a matter of time before, you know, other states follow suit and then it becomes a lot. Like, it's just, it's going to happen whether you like it or not. So you might as well just get on board. And I personally think this California law is the one that makes the most sense. I don't think going to the schools to pay is going to is gonna do a whole lot. I think, they, I mean... Because you get then you got to figure out ways of how to pay everybody evenly. At least with this, you know, when it's an endorsement thing, it is based on that particular person. You know what I mean? They can sell themselves basically, which every person has the right to do. Right. 
And that's what the colleges should be promoting is to be the best version of yourself. Exactly. Instead of trying to take it away from you just for and you can almost kind of understand the NCA, what they're you know, kind of what they're trying to do. Fair and what's what are they what did I write down? Fair and level playing field. Which well, I guess we can talk about this just for a little bit before we gotta move on. But um because this okay, so this law doesn't go in effect until twenty twenty three. But let's just say by that date, NCAA hasn't come up with a universal thing that's going to make everybody happy. Or maybe there is a, you know, maybe by then, for all we know, there's a national law that comes into um, play. But at least for right now, California being the only one, you would have to think they have an upper hand on the rest of the country. So, you know, I, I understand NCAA's argument in that sense. Like, hey, okay, California is now literally willing to let people get paid. We can't stop them. That's not fair to the 49 other states, but there's nothing we can really do. Exactly. So California's just got a huge advantage. So what's stopping, you know what I mean? Like, if you are debating between let's say utah and usc well yeah i'm going to usc well granted me i'm personally going to usc too because los angeles is where i'm all about but also you know you can get paid there if you're at utah or colorado or any of the other schools you can't i'm going to utah i don't want to live in los angeles but, uh, we've talked about this been to utah's campus great campus love it all right we obviously went way too long in that, like we always do. <laughs> Let's bring it back to what happened last week. We won't talk every game. We'll just dive into some of the more important topics. Um, Joe, you want to start with the positive or the negative? Oh, boy. Uh, well, let's let's start with a couple positives. We'll finish with the negative, and then hopefully we still have time to do a couple in-depth previews. <laughs> All right, because yeah, I know that one. We're going to go into it for a little bit. Oh, yeah. All right, let's get it started with, by the way, you and I both called this win. All right, we talked about this uh, over Twitter before the game happened, and that was Houston pulling off the win on the road at North Texas, a 46-25 to win. Clayton Toon, it's his job now. We talked last week about uh, Dr. King and all that situation there, and this was the first game we got to see of the new era, and it picked up a win on the road that you totally can't comp- complain about. And it was one of those. Well, defense was meh, but offense did their thing. Got a couple of returns, one through the uh, kickoff game and one through a punt return. And Patrick Carr just, I mean, just stepping up when your team really needs you to. Yeah, he was good, and I thought Clayton Toon played really well. There's only a handful of passes that he made that were incomplete, and four, four, yeah, four, yeah. Was it four? So he's that's what thirteen for seventeen? Sixteen to twenty. Okay, that's that's right. Uh, yeah, he just it's it, you know he he didn't he didn't win the game by himself, but he also had some passes that were there's some big time throws. He made he had a couple nice touch passes. He made a he made a Derek King type play by eluding you know the pass rush. He got a guy right on him, spins out of it, keeps his eyes downfield, and then hits I think Stevenson for the first down. So he he played really well, and I think 
playing last year when King went down really gave him confidence because I don't think that he plays with that same that same level of confidence this year if he didn't play those two games last year. Granted, the Army game, I guess, doesn't really count, but playing in that Memphis game really gave him an, a, a glimpse of what it's like to be the starter in this conference. And he played well enough to get them the win, and you, like you said, the defense was meh, but I've been telling people all year that just give it some time. I don't think people really truly understand how bad things were under Major Applewhite because if you watched games last year, there were games where guys weren't trying. They had no juice. They, there was no energy on that side of the ball. And this year they have an energy that we haven't seen in almost two years outside of Ed Oliver. And this is everybody playing with that same energy. And yeah, there are things that they need to fix, but you need to look at at this in in terms of the long run. And this is a much better group than the last two years. Especially on that side of the ball, like you said. Um, forgot to mention also Tune, hundred yards rushing as well. Yeah, that was so, that was interesting. Yeah, I mean, granted, you got fifty five of them on one play, but still, I mean, but still, I mean, that's something. I mean, you still want to keep your offense. He, I mean, he's not king. Let's not even try to go there. No, but I mean, you still need to have you know, that's instilled in our offense where the quarterbacks got to carry the ball at least a little bit. It's not like he uh, what was it? Uh, nine carries he had. It's not like, you know, King usually had anywhere between somewhere between 15, maybe even 20 some games. But, you know, they still have to uh, present that a little bit. But now, I mean, they're, this was a game where, like I said, you and I called it. It was, you know, they were just a more talented team. In the long run, it kind of shocked me that North Texas was the favorite, but that obviously just had to do with the, the King news. And everybody just expected them to lay down. And I think, if anything, it probably, you know, bonded this team a little bit more because everybody was counting them out already. And yeah. Tune just well, went out there and fan, did his thing. Their own fan base, too, was. Oh, that's true. I mean, I see it like, with you. Just freaking out. It was like, yeah. just relax. I mean,. Here's the thing. Trust in Dana, right? You were well, you're loved to hire. Like, give him give him some time. Exactly, and it's year one. I think people are just like, oh, we got we got the coach we want. We're gonna win. We're gonna win all twelve games. It's like, well, no, re- relax. There's gonna be a, a learning curve, and it's not gonna go well. I mean, it's, I don't think anybody saw one and three, but once it does, it's like you can't just go from one high to an ex- the exact the same side of the low. Like, you just can't freak out that much. Like, just stay even keel, watch how things play out, and just everybody's learning how they play within this new system. So just relax, and it'll be okay. Yep. Now it'll be interesting to see how they fare now that we're moved. We're getting closer to conference play, so things will be a little bit more dicey moving forward. It's true. All right, let's talk the other game that was uh, kind of earlier in the week, and that was Memphis. Um, trailed for a while, trailed 20-7 to against Navy, a team that I'm, I mean, I'm already on record for saying. I didn't think they were going to be that good, and their defense is surprising. I will say that. And then Malcolm Perry, 
actually learned how to throw over the summer, I guess, or something like that. He's got he threw another touchdown pass in this game. Um, but Memphis and the Tigers, they were at one point. The funny thing is, I, I don't know if you watched it, but they were Brady White was getting booed pretty hard at one point. And then, you know, things kind of turn around in the second half. He scores three touch, or excuse me, he throws three touchdown passes, and they they manage to pull off that 35-23 win. And a um, little interesting note, Memphis is ranked 23rd in the coaches' poll. Which means nothing. Which, well, yeah, obviously. But, the I mean, the AAC schools are starting to get some recognition in the polls I mean, we've got three three teams in the polls right now. Hey, SM, here we go. SMU is the other one. They're in the AP poll, and then UCF is in both. We're going to get into SMU in a second, but well, here's the thing with Memphis is, well, Nate, I, right. I, okay, I don't want to stop you, but my prediction about Memphis, I'm starting to feel really iffy about now. Yeah, well, and here's the thing. It it comes down to, well, first I'll say is I agree with your point about I was surprised at, at Navy's defense and how well they played and that Ken Niamatololo figured out a way to get Perry involved in the passing game, which we saw in the first half. But the thing with Memphis is they're going to go as far as Brady White takes them. And we saw in the first half that, like you said, he's getting booed, and he didn't look good. Like, he looks really bad. And we expected him to take another another step this year and show us that he can make those big throws and he can perform well in big games, and we're still waiting to see that. But in the second half, he actually... You know, he actually calmed down, and he made a, he made a handful of throws that were, were big-time throws. And it's still not the performance we want to see out of Brady, but he's going to be the X factor for this team. The, the defense is full of talent, and there's playmakers that are capable of making explosive plays offensively, and it's just a matter of can he make a handful of throws in big situations to keep the offense going and pick up first downs. I have to also admit that he is not the number four player in the conference. <laughs> I told you. Yeah. I don't lead you. I don't lead you astray. He's. He's still. I still have him ranked higher than what you had him though. That's then okay. shout out, shout out again to to Kenneth Ganwell. The kid can ball, man. Dude, Memphis just knows how to get the running backs going. Yes, they do. By the way, I, I didn't look this up. Do you have any idea when Patrick Taylor gets back? Uh, well, he had a high ankle sprain, so I think he's not not this week, but maybe next week. Dude, high ankle sprains are so weird. Don't they say that are... to Saquon. Saquon's practicing already. That freaking well, Sa- freak. Saquon's is a little bit different. <laughs> that guy's a freak. When I saw that this morning, I was like, you got to be kidding me. Seriously. Reminds me of, like AP getting back from injury, like just not human. Yeah, just insane. But yeah, Memphis finally getting at least some recognition. I mean, like we said before the season started, they're going to be favored in every game, so I don't know how high they're going to get up. But I don't also now after seeing them for a couple games, like I don't think it's as a cakewalk as they originally thought, just because the West is way way better than we thought. I mean, look at SMU, five and zero. 
for the first time since the death penalty. And they're not they're not messing around either. I guess all right, do you want to be you want to be nice for a second and talk about how good SMU is or you just really want to go into USF? Let's 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 dive in. Let them let them have it. All right, let's do it. USF. Char- oh, let's just put this Charlie Strong. How hot is your seat? It's got to be blazing, right? Yeah. No surprise to us, though. No, really not. Here's the I thing. Mean, Some, sometimes when we say things, you need to listen. This is not... We're not going to sit here and tell you that we know everything, but when we have observations, it's not because we're just making things up and sharing our opinions just because we don't like your school. It's because we've watched the games... We've watched film. We know what's going on. We've seen the teams that are playing and how they're playing and if they're struggling or not. And if we say that your team's bad or if they suck, it's not a personal attack on you or Garbage. your team. It's just that's that's what we're seeing. So, it, you know, we, we tried to tell everybody that this is not a good team and not many people listened. And now look where we are. Everybody remembers they were 7-0 last year, and even while they were 7-0, me and Joe, uh, I don't know if this should be a 7-0 team. I, I remember you and I just saying it. We're like, this, this team is flirting with disaster. Well, let me tell you what's happened since. Disaster. They have one win in their last seven games, and that win, which I did not look up, but I'm pretty sure it's against an FCS team. South Carolina State. Yep. Oh, that's your one win. Now, Charlie Strong. If he can, can, does, he get fired if they lose to UConn. I don't. I don't see why. Not. Like, why wouldn't you? What? What more can you do? At that point, like, I think that would be the ultimate of lows. Like, if you somehow manage to like lose to UConn this week. Like, there is no way you can justify keeping that guy around. I'm sorry. It's UConn. Yeah. The team, the team that USF, I'm sure, really wanted UConn out of this conference, too. Uh, let's not just say it was UCF. A lot, of these, a lot of these schools, they wanted UConn to get out just with how atrocious they are in football. But if you manage to be that guy that loses to UConn, I mean, you have to go. I don't think it's going to happen, personally. I don't personally think. But if, God forbid, it does happen this weekend, I mean, he shouldn't even take the flight back home. He should take uh, rent a car and drive to wherever his family's from. Because, I mean... You know Tampa would is going to riot if that's the case. I mean, we know how crazy the South Florida fans are as it is. I mean, you just imagine how it's going to go if somehow UConn pulls off a win there. Yep. It's uh, yeah. And I, here's the thing: I like Charlie Strong. I like what he represents, and I, you know, I, I think he's a good coach. It's just, it's not working right now. And yeah, it's not working anywhere he goes. 
Yeah, well, I mean, it worked at Louisville before he went to Texas, and then he, I think the Texas job was a little bit too much for him. He bit off more than he could chew, and it just didn't work, and that's fine. And now USF just isn't panning out either, which it it is what it is. If he if he gets fired, he'll bounce back. He'll land on his feet, but it's it's just not working in Tampa. I mean, down 41 to nothing at... Oh, right, that was a home game for them, too, wasn't it? Yeah. Against I mean, USF? That, or USF, geez. SMU? Yeah. Wow. Was that in Tampa? Was it? I think I have it written down as if it was. So I think, yeah. I'm looking it up. Confirming. I'm going to and then to on to- sources. And then on top of that, you know, they, they wanted Blake Barrett out so bad a couple weeks ago. Well, didn't take long. I mean, he was the only one who scored points this game. USF didn't start getting anything going until they made the switch to Barnett after finally benching Jordan McLeod, who threw two interceptions in this game too. Oops. I mean, I mean, they're just going back and forth between quarterbacks now too. That's you don't want to be that team. Dang, it was at home. Yeah, thought so. Yeah. You're down forty-one nothing at home. Oops. I saw um. In, I mean, not to get too far ahead. So the game this week between USF and UConn is you cannot watch it live. <laughs> and, Why would you want to watch it live? Yes, touche. But uh, the Daily Stampede, who is the USF site for uh, SB Nation, they put something up that I thought it was hilarious. It was like, well, uh, a lot of those Olympic sport events you get to watch on replay, and they're pretty good too, or something along those lines. It was, it was pretty freaking hilarious just that because – because if you think about it, I mean, back in the day, everything, I remember NBA Finals games were on delay back in the day. That's true. Oh, just how the mighty have fallen. I mean, 10-2 and two just a couple of years ago, and I think that actually just means more about Strong, though, because that just means he's not bringing in the talent that he should be bringing in. The previous, you know, the previous regime is why he went 10-2 and two the first year, and seven and six last year. Now that we're finally looking at his guys, they start this year one and three. I miss Quentin Flowers. Don't we all? And don't they even more? Seriously. They wish they could have slapped that redshirt tag on him one of those years. Right. Yeah, that would have been great. Oh, well. Have fun the rest of the year, guys. We are not feeling sorry for you. Nope. We try to tell you. Maybe next time people will listen. All right, just to wrap up last week's action. Conference went 4-0 and out of conference games. Three of them on the road. One of those being Cincinnati just smashing Marshall. Did not see that coming. Marshall's actually a pretty good team. I don't know what happened in that game because I didn't watch it. But since he smashed them 52-14. to And then mm-hmm. Temple... 24-2 win over Georgia Tech. Defense pitched a shutout in Jeff Collins' return. You know I like that. Of course you did. But all right, let's dive into what's ahead this week. And like I said earlier, it starts with those Temple Owls, a Thursday night game against ECU. We got two primetime games this week, by the way, mm-hmm. before Saturday. Before Saturday. The first one is that. 8 p.m. on ESPN Thursday night. 
The Owls are a 11-point favorite against the Pirates. Um, my only concern is, is obviously the short turnaround here. That's never usually a good thing for the road team. And... I don't know. I am not ready to uh, say that ECU is any threat to Temple yet. But we also saw them have a nice letdown against Buffalo a couple of weeks ago after beating a Power 5 team. So um, I'm just think, really. What do you Temple, think the line right? would be if, if Temple didn't lose to Buffalo? Oh, it would be like at least anywhere between 17 20. Yeah, which is just crazy how one. Loss just changes everything. Well, uh, well, you know what kind of blew my mind was seeing that ECU is three and two. I'm like, huh? What? Right. Well, that doesn't. I mean, if you look at their schedule, well, yes, they obviously. Should be. But I'm like, I'm like, huh? What? <laughs> right. But I guess that's part of the reason why you picked them to win six games this year because of yeah, <laughs> it's it's uh, if they win this one, I'm gonna feel good about it. But if they don't, it's you know, Temple somehow continue. manages to lose this one. I might be flipping out a little bit. Let's be honest. I'll be confused too. But I think both of us are expecting a Temple win in this one, right? Yes. Yeah. Just hope it's a little bit easier than uh, some of these other games. All right. I would argue that the game of the week in this conference is that game on Friday night on primetime. Are you sure? It's not USF UConn? No, it's not even on TV. The game that's not on TV? It's so good it's not on TV. If you want to watch USF UConn, maybe they should do this more often. They will force you to buy tickets to go watch that game. There you go. You want to watch bad teams play, you got to pay to go watch them in person. Mm. Let's not get there. Let's not get too far ahead. That's our preview for that game, so we can just right? that one. We're, smack, we're smacking the, uh, the good game in the face right now. Seriously. That is... UCF on the road to take on Cincinnati. Arguably the game of the year in the conference, right? As of right now, for sure. Yeah, I mean, this is going to have, obviously, major implications in the East. Um, the winner of this game obviously takes you know, over of that, and we'll see how things play out. But, you know, Cincinnati is the home team here. I think, you know, that's something to uh, talk about. Um I know you saw that thing about them put the whole black field. Did you see that? I did. Yeah, it's not happening. I know, but still, it was a that would have been concept. pretty. That would have been pretty cool if they actually did it, though. That would have been sick. I don't know why they don't. Seriously, it's way better than what they got going on right now. I mean, it's just a regular field. I know. Now we're bored with field. Oh, your field has to be the right color now. Yeah, it's the wrong color green. Gosh, could you imagine? Dude, imagine imagine ECU with a purple and yellow field. Oh, that makes me want to throw up. <laughs> Dude, just think about it. Oh my god! Now I can see it now. A nice purple field, right? Or temp? Well, Temple can't because you know they can't get their own stadium. But... Don't let's not go down that road. I don't know if we're ever gonna get our own stadium too. As much as I want it to happen. But okay, here's the thing with game of the week, UCF won 25 games in a row and granted they had a couple games where teams gave them a challenge memphis had them on the ropes twice and ucf managed to pull out a win but this becomes one of the most important games for ucf because it's the first time that 
they've looked vulnerable in terms of they actually lost a game. So now teams have a formula that they think they can use to do the same thing that Pitt did to UCF. So, and Cincinnati is a team that is more than capable of giving UCF a run for money. Now, they didn't do it last year on the road in Orlando, but now they're at home. The game's sold out. They're not painting the field, which is unfortunate, but they they have the talent to put pressure on UCF. And honestly, after last year, Cincinnati has nothing to lose. They have a more experienced quarterback. Michael Warren's back at running back. The O-line will be the, the question again, but they can't start the game with two penalties to make it first and 20 before they even snap the ball. Mm-hmm. And their defense is playing arguably lights out. So, yeah. Let's not talk about Ohio State. Okay, well, that's that's okay. That's different. Is anybody playing good against Ohio State? No, they're scoring like 50 points a game. So, but it, the thing is, UCF now has a loss in the regular season, and that's different. That changes the game for this conference. I think people or teams see it as we can replicate some of the things that Pitt did against UCF and we believe we have a chance now. Whether that happens or not, I don't know, but they now have a chance because they've seen it can be done. We'll find out. I think I still think UCF is still the class of the conference and I think we're gonna find that out this week. Yeah, and that's why it's so important for them because not that they don't have any respect of the conference, but there's less respect for them because they saw teams saw, hey, they lost a game, so maybe they're not as good as they used to be. But you and I both know that that's not the case. There's Dylan Gabriel can be elite, and they have playmakers on the offensive side of the ball that you know make you pay. Gabriel Davis is having a monster year right now, and the defense can make plays. So. It's not like one loss all of a sudden changes the dynamic of this team. And I don't want to talk about it too much, but how crazy is is now that they're talking about Brandon Wimbush playing wide receiver? Not what we saw going into this year. Not I don't at think all. We had Jeff Sharon on, and he, I don't even think he thought this would happen. Because he mentioned that Dylan Gabriel might have a shot to take some reps, but there was never... I don't think there's ever any indication that people thought, hey, he's going to be our starter by the a, a month into the season. No, not whatsoever. And to the point that Wimbush is now at number three. I mean, that's the way you got to think of it. Yeah, because yeah, Mac, Mac played. Yeah, Mac played. That makes sense because, you know, at this point, the number two, if you're moving Wimbush to uh, receiver. So, yeah, what a uh, change of events for him. Exactly. Going from Notre Dame being the guy to being a receiver at UCF. All right, we already went through USF and UConn. If you want to watch that game, go buy a ticket. Um, another good game in the conference. Actually, it's kind of funny. So this week, uh, Tulane will take on Army, you know, predominantly option teams. And then we'll talk about it in a second. Air Force taking on Navy, again, two predominantly option teams. And both of those games are back-to-back on the CBS Sports Network. I thought that was kind of interesting, too. But the bigger game of the two, I would... I would think uh, I would say that we both agree on is Tulane against Army. And coming into this year, I'm pretty sure Army was the favorite come 
because Army was supposed to be favored in most of the games they played in this year. But I think things have changed after what we've seen from Tulane this year. They actually go into this game at West Point as a three-point favorite. I think that's uh, kind of showing just how much even Vegas is starting to respect what we have seen from Tulane. I mean, that offense is legit. And even a Army team that likes to control the ball, I mean, Tulane kind of does that a little bit in a sense too, but Tulane has a little bit more in their aerial attack, and that's what makes them more dangerous team. Yeah, it's. I think Army's off to a not a disappointing start, but not the start they wanted. And Tulane's Tulane's Army's looks pretty mediocre. Yeah, they and, thought they were going to blow a lot of teams out. They just looked at. Eh. Yeah, they've looked pretty average right now, and. It helps that they're at home, but Tulane's also shown that they have playmakers that make life miserable if you're in opposing defense. So it's uh, I, yeah, it's a game that I'm definitely interested in watching. That's for sure. And then I mentioned it, the Air Force Navy game that you can literally just keep the same channel on CBS Sports Network and you watch it. Air Force is a favorite at Annapolis and I know you and I have talked in the past that not a lot of teams win at Annapolis so that kind of uh, shocked me a little bit there even though you know, I I know that I'm not the biggest Navy supporter and Air Force is a team that you know, probably doesn't get enough love that they should but they they are I think a little bit ahead of Navy right now but at the same time I mean Navy just somehow always finds a win at home. It's just weird how they always seem to do that. Yeah, and another thing that we talked about is that Air Force seems just to be the overlooked team in the the three-team race for the Commanders-in-Chief trophy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Air Force, just they beat Buffalo, or Buffalo, geez, Colorado, the Buffaloes, about two weeks ago. And then they lost to Boise State, but I don't know. I'm not feeling too confident after watching Navy play Memphis, given how their defense looked in the second half, but it's a rivalry game, so you know it's going to be close. Yeah, you just never know. All right, you just mentioned Memphis. They are a 14.5-point favorite against Louisiana Monroe, ULM. That game's at 345 on ESPNU. A game that, I don't know, that number kind of intrigues me a little bit. Um, just because we haven't seen anything from Memphis this season that makes you think that they are worthy of being a two-touchdown favorite on the road against a, I don't want to say ULM's uh, a great team, but they're solid. Uh, they're going to be uh, they're gonna be more of a challenge than I think that Vegas has given to them. You think so? I do. Hey, I'm starting to go the other way on Memphis now, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, uh, well, it's like we said. You can't have all these. So, kind of like we said a lot about USF last year, actually. Eventually, all those slow starts are going to come back and haunt you. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, that's that's the trend that Memphis is going that way. You know, they start every game slow, and then, you know, they finally kick it into gear. But somebody's going to get you. Right. 
maybe it's not ULM, but come conference play, that that might come into factor. Yeah, it's going to be like a, a Tulsa that comes in and trips them up. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's like you said, it comes down to what Brady White can do and how he can improve the offense. If he can, great. They're going to be a good team, and if he's he's going to play like the first half he did against Navy, then they're in trouble. Yeah, Tigers just really need a game where they just put it to somebody right out of the gate. We haven't seen that at all this season. No, and we saw that the last two years that, or not, uh, not the last two years, the two years before Brady White was a starter, we saw that they can put up seventy points in a heartbeat. Oh yeah, they would they would put your foot on your throat in no time, and that's what they're missing right now. All right, then the last game in the uh, conference is actually a interconference game, and that is Tulsa traveling to number twenty four SMU. Mustangs are a 13 point favorite. If you want to watch that game, is on ESPNU. Uh, SMU at this point, I mean, from everything we've seen from them, they literally are, they're not just beating teams, they're blowing teams out. And I'm, you know, Tulsa is a team that, that I mean, they kind of held their own for a little bit with Oklahoma State, who has a, a nice offense of their own. Well, but I could totally see SMU covering this spread and if not, way more. Just the way that they just seem to be firing all cylinders right now. Yeah. Whether, it's, uh... whether you wanted to be the ground game with Xavier Jones or you wanted to go through the air, I mean, they they just can't be stopped on offense. Yeah, it's Shane Bouchelle's making the difference right now. And, well, it helps that you know Xavier Jones is is returning to his 2017 form, but... There are playmakers everywhere, and I don't know if Tulsa can make this a game at all. They've they've looked a little bit better, but this I think this is a game where we see if Tulsa's actually improved or if they're if if SMU is just too good for everybody else, which right now they are, and TCU knows that, and there are a lot of other teams that are going to find that out too. Yeah, and now that we're getting closer and closer to where basically conference games will be just about every week, we're going to really figure out who's who inside the American. And it starts with, I mean, between them and Tulane, uh, I mean, ev- after everything I just said about Memphis, you almost have to see it as a three-team race with Houston also in there. I mean, that side is going to be wild. And then we both agree that we think the East could be decided this week. Yeah, if depending on there's if if Temple loses to ECU, it just it comes down to UCF and Cincinnati. Slow your roll. And, what's that? Slow your roll on that. Well, yeah, okay, but I'm just saying if 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 that somehow happens, which I don't think it will, but if somehow happens, then all of a sudden in one day it becomes a two team race, and then the winner of that game uh, that that's your winner. You would have to think. Yeah, no, that's why I said I'm, USF's not coming to get them. ECU's not going to come to get them. I don't see uh, I don't see Temple competing with the Knights right now. I just don't. Right. I mean, if they if they win, they still have a they still have a shot technically. But mm-hmm. yeah, it comes it becomes a two team race, and then a day later it becomes a one team race after that. Yep. Unless Cincinnati pulls off the upset, and then 
then all hell stay breaks tuned. Loose. Yeah. Then it gets fun on both sides. So obviously, I think we both kind of want that. More chaos is good. It's more fun for the conference. That's kind of that's what college football is right now. You know, you, right now like Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State, technically Clemson, even though they're not playing very well. Like those are like your top teams for sure. Then you have like LSU, Auburn, and a couple other teams that are playing really well, and then everyone else just doesn't look good. And normally yeah, I, you, you probably I feel think like that's bad, but I think it's a good thing. It's fun to watch. No, I agree. I feel like teams between, like, literally 15 through, let's go all the way down to, like, say, 35, 40. They're They're all the same same. team. Yeah. They really are. That's why, like, every week, because now that I do the the poll stuff for us at Underdog Dynasty, so I see, I just keep watching them. Like, it literally just seems like the same, like, eight, eight to 12 teams just keep shuffling up and down the top 25. And just, just because we, can't figure out who's good and who's not just because there is so much parity this year. Like I said, it's great for the American. We finally got three teams between the two poles. But then, like, you look at some of these, you know, the Pac-12 is literally all over the place this year. Um, Big 12, other than Oklahoma, is a mess. Uh, the A or ACC, excuse me, is literally it's Clemson and nobody else. I mean, you and I have talked about it. We think that... Some of these teams in the American can totally compete with the A's. God, the ACC. I have a program in my head not to say that. Dude, letters, man. Yeah. It's tough. But, yeah, it's just, you know, it literally is other than, I mean, I think there's a clear four. Then you have your next tier of, say, you know, five through eight, and then there's another tier after that. But then once you leave there, it really is, like, you flip a coin and you don't know what's going to happen that week exactly and then you got your yukons and your usfs and uh tulsa's and yeah you did a good job by putting usf on the bottom of those power rankings because what they did this past week that was brutal yeah they show at up the bottom yukon at least is showing a little bit of a fight yep not Zero. much but it's better than none it's way better than last year we have still yet to see UConn get a 50 spot put on them. That was every game last year. Yep. All right, on that note, we're going to wrap up this episode of the Underdog Podcast. Make sure you're following us on Facebook and Twitter. Please leave us a review on however you're listening to this. And then until next time, thanks for listening to our Joe Talk. Joe Talk.